The Wintrust Business Lunch. Afternoon to you. Pretty sunshine and blue skies downtown Chicago. This is John Williams. Pete Zimmerman's our producer, and this shorter version of the Wintrust Business Lunch gets underway now after the governor's speech. More about that at the top of the hour. With WGN Radio News, Jim Dalkey is a regular Monday guest for us, a little later than normal today. The national editor at American Inno. You can find his stuff at chicagoinno.com. Nice to talk to you, Jim. I hope you've had a good weekend. Hey, John. Yeah, thanks for having me. University of Chicago launches an accelerator program. I thought they already had an accelerator program. Talk to me a little bit about this. They do, yes. You know, the, the University of Chicago um, is really uh, you know, kind of one of the epicenters for startup uh, growth and activity in Chicago. Uh, they've had a long-running accelerator, um, their a new venture challenge, which has uh, helped create companies like Grubhub and Braintree and Foxtrot. Lots of companies we talk about kind of week to week here. Um, but they really are taking another approach here and diving into what they're calling deep tech. So they're launching the Polsky Deep Tech Ventures. It's a $20 million initiative that will offer sector-specific accelerators. This is all around super high-techy type stuff. So these are not uh, consumer apps and gadgets, right? These are deep, deep tech things. So think artificial intelligence, clean tech and energy, life sciences, um, cybersecurity. So these are going to be three brand new accelerators that uh, Deep Tech Ventures is going to launch. And um, it's actually going to bring in another accelerator that we've talked about previously with the University University of Chicago called Duality, which was a quantum startup accelerator. Um, Actually, Duality Duality was the very first quantum startup accelerator in the country. So essentially what the university is doing here is really doubling down on super high-tech, deep-tech startups and giving more resources to those companies here in Chicago. And so typically those have been difficult startups to fund. They require quite a bit more um, financial backing early on to get off the ground. And so the University of Chicago is going to give some funding to these startups and also provide the resources at the university, connecting them with faculty and experts and folks like that. Talk to me about uh, stigma. Why did you all write about stigma? Yeah, Stigma, a really kind of a, a young, brand new startup in Chicago, just launched in 2022. They were just named uh, one of the best apps of Google in 2022. So Google really kind of giving them a big stamp of approval. Google put together a list of its kind of best apps of the year at the end of the 2022. Just seven apps made the list. So a, a really significant vote of confidence here for Stigma. Um, you know, when you're a young app, these are the kind of recognitions early on that can kind of be a make or break moment. And um, what Stigma is, is a, a mental health app. So this is an app that helps to connect folks who are struggling with a range of different mental health conditions with video content from other folks who are dealing with the same thing. Really kind of helps you feel a little less alone when you can kind of see a story of somebody who's dealing with another uh, bout of depression or suicidal ideation or other things that you might be dealing with. And so um, this is a big get for them as they um, kind of look to continue to put the foot on the gas. They were actually able to, to able to double their user base after Google put them on this list. So yeah, a big uh, make or break moment here for Stigma, which is able to get a big boost from Google. It's a free app for users. We've talked to Ariana Alejandra Vargas, the CEO of that uh, app before. She's just such a, a bright young lady with a, uh, kind of a visionary idea. I guess it all depends on can you monetize it, which is kind of a a funny thing to do in that space, but she actually has plans to do that too. 
She does. And I think that they have a few different avenues for that. Um, you know, one thing that this app isn't is, you know, a replacement for therapy, right? So, you know, I talked to Alejandra as well, and she kind of mentioned this, that this is really kind of a tool to be used, you know, in conjunction with, you know, traditional um, therapy resources for folks dealing with mental health. But, um, you know, really what I like about this is it's not, this is not teletherapy. I mean, this is really just a way to you know, feel a little less alone to hear somebody's story and to connect with somebody. You can request a video message right. uh, yourself, but these are not asynchronous messages, right? So this is not like one-to-one live communication. This is just, hey, I want to find a, a platform to where I can find some stories about people who might be dealing with something similar to what I'm going through. And as I recall, there are tags, um, you know, I don't remember if it's a search bar, but you can actually look for that thing that you are particularly dealing with, right? That's exactly right. Um, and then, you know, you can, you know, kind of receive uh, messages, but you can also send them as well. So maybe if you've gone through your own mental health journey and you know, have come out on the other side feeling better and, you know, want to make sure you can kind of pay it forward a little bit, you can also be on the other end um, of this uh, platform where you're providing those messages of support for people kind of sharing your story and then, you know, kind of helping others feel a little less alone. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting approach, I think, to this problem. And um, I think, you know, stigma's off to a, off to a fast start. Yeah, the app is called Stigma. Um, talk to me. Um, here's just a headline. Female founders take bigger slice of VC in Chicago. Women are benefiting more than men from the uh, latest uh, rounds. Is that true? Yeah, you know, we're taking a look at the, the end of the year data on venture funding. Um, obviously, 2022 a down kind of across the board from what we saw in the, the major growth of 2021. But some interesting trends have emerged. Um, you know, the data kind of showing right now that those female-founded companies in the U.S. experienced some lulls in VC activity last year. Um, they were not disproportionately hurt by uh, the decline compared to men. So, in fact, female-founded companies in Chicago represented about 14% of the total deal value last year. That's up from about 10.5% in 2021. Um, however, nationwide, though, uh, female-founded companies represent about 25.5% of VC deal count. So Chicago, still about 11% behind where we see kind of the national uh, VC deal count. So certainly some room for improvement in Chicago, but um, the data showing that, that Chicago is trending in the right direction. Good to know and always good to read. Uh, your step over there is chicagoinno.com. The national editor at American Inno is Jim Dalkey. Jim, let's uh, talk again next week. Thanks, John. You have a good day. Time for a Business Minute with Steve Grzanich. Start your timer. It's time for the Wintrust Business Minute, sharing Chicago's business news of the day. Farmers have signed a memorandum of understanding with Moline-based Deer & Company that will allow them to repair their own equipment. The American Farm Bureau Federation says the deal resolves a long-running dispute between the company and a key group of its customers. Among other things, it'll give farmers access to diagnostic and repair codes, manuals, and product guides. The deal also allows farmers to buy tools directly from Deer. The company has fought right to repair to protect its intellectual property and to ensure products operate safely. Farmers have been fighting for the right to repair for years. Among other things, they've complained about the lack of authorized dealerships close to their locations. Chicago-based Protein Bar and Kitchen is preparing to expand outside of the city with a new location set for O'Hare Airport. The restaurant chain is known for its nutritious bowls, salads, and shakes. It'll open a pop-up temporary location next month in Terminal 5, and then a permanent spot will open this summer. According to Cranes, it'll be Protein Bar's first airport location. Another is set to open at Salt Lake City International Airport later this year. 
Protein Bar opened its first location in Chicago in 2009 and has 12 in all. I'm Steve Grzanich, and that's your Wintrust Business Minute. Here's the business of food and Steve Alexander. Yes, and we continue to celebrate National Soup Month, which brings us to the best chicken soup in Chicago. Right after I thank the Chevy Silverado HD for sponsoring us, live your life in HD. Visit ChevyDriveChicago.com. Choosing the best of anything in Chicago food will get people riled up because their favorite was not chosen. But a lot of people think the chicken soup at Jean's Sausage Shop and Deli in Lincoln Square is among the best in town. In fact, Time Out rated Jean's Chicken Soup the best soup overall. And here to tell us about it is... Derek Lush, and I am co-owner of Jean's Sausage Shop. How do you spell your last name? Okay, it's spelled L-U-S-Z like zebra, C like cat, Z like zebra. Well, they snuck one vowel in there. (laughs) And five constants. And who is Jean? Jean is my father. My father and his brother, they're both immigrants from Poland, and they started a small shop called John and Jean's back in 1973. Derek and his sister Yolanda run the shop now as they celebrate 50 years in business this year, and there's a reason sausage is in the name. Yes, we make about 40 different varieties of both smoked as well as fresh sausages here at Jean's. (laughs) That's a lot of sausage, but we're here to talk about soup, National Soup Month, and chicken soup in particular. It's my mother's actual recipe, and we continue to make the same soup the old school way. I hear there's something special about the chicken you use? We use Amish chickens, um, which are uh, free range from Indiana. And I think that using a fresh product, something that was never frozen, as well as fresh vegetables and spices, is really what makes the soup what it is. I imagine there's a lot of medicinal doses of chicken soup happening this time of year. Yeah, you know, with the weather patterns, the way we have them, one day, you know, we're sub-zero. Next week, we have a 50-degree swing. A lot of people come in, you know, to get a nice cup of soup. We, we do make about 15 different varieties of soups here at Jean's. The chicken soup is obviously one of our mainstays that sells year-round. The chicken soup at Jean's Sausage in Delhi in Lincoln Square. That's the business of food on 720 WGN. Scott Bauer joins us. He's the CEO of Prosper Trading Academy. ProsperTrading.com is the website. Scott, welcome back to the show. I hope you're good. John, thank you. I am. Happy New Year to you. Is it? A happy New Year? How are the markets doing, and does it mean anything this early in the year? Uh, does it mean anything? I mean, more psychological than anything else. Uh, markets got off to a, a nice start continuing from last week. Selling off a little bit now, um, maybe just a little profit-taking. But, you know, we're coming right up on earnings season, which starts at the end of this week with many of the big banks. And I'm quite frankly a bit cautious about this earnings season. Why is that? Well, you know, many of the, let's call it the effects of what has happened over the last six to nine months between rising interest rates, some layoffs, margins being depressed, that's now really going to start coming out, in my opinion, in many of these uh, corporate earnings uh, reports. So. I don't think that we have really seen the effects of what happened all during 2022. Uh, I don't think we've seen that yet. And, and I'm not saying that the worst is yet to come. I don't think we're going to retest lows or anything. But I still think that the earnings estimates are a bit too high. Hmm. So in my opinion, what I would love to see is a fairly weak 
earnings season for the next two, three weeks. Maybe the market gives back 3 to 5%, and then we build from there. That, to me, would be an ideal scenario. What's an example of this um, coming gloom that you're talking about? I've heard people describe the housing industry as having a six-month lag and that that will yet come home to roost. Um, is there an industry, or can you be more specific about why you think it's uh, going to get a little worse before it gets better? Yeah, I, I think, and I think we're going to see it really at the start of earnings season with many of these big banks, because net interest margins, which is a big, big part of their bottom line, you know, they, they kept going up and going up, you know, through end of 21, 2022, and, and now they're, they're going to start coming down a little bit. So I think we're going to see less on their bottom line from net interest margin, which is really what, what is net, net interest margin? It's the money they make from, from loaning out to individuals. But the bigger thing to me, which could be a negative, is I think these big banks are going to start putting more in reserve for loan loss reserves than they have in the past five, six, seven years because of what you just said about the housing market, because of some potential defaults, which hopefully we're not going to see, but I think we are likely to see in the coming months. Do you wonder, this is, uh, I was reading this weekend, and a colleague of mine, uh, actually was on our, Win, uh, not on our Wintrust Business Lunch, on the Mincing Rascals podcast that we recorded last Wednesday, and, and uh, I believe it was Heather Sharon in there who said that this new Congress is going to maybe be a little more difficult to deal with on some issues, and one of them would be the debt that the country has, and that there's the possibility of a default if we don't have some sort of continuing resolution to fund the government. And there's some hardliners in there right now who will say no. They'll just fold their arms and say, if we don't get what we want, we're going to say no, whereas the Biden administration says we're not going to play that game. And they said the consequences of this could be fairly grave. I don't want to borrow trouble here, but what do you think about that whole scenario that I just described? It, it, it is definitely plausible. I, I would not say that, that it's not possible. And, you know, we, we always run through the history of getting down to the 11th hour when we reach the debt ceiling and then we get a deal done and they raise the debt ceiling and we move on. Um, we're all accustomed to that. I'm certain that we will get down to that 11th hour again. But as you just said, and as you were you know, discussing with your guests, um, th- this one could be more difficult because you do have people now um, in, in positions of power that may just take that hard line and say, no, um, it's unprecedented. We've never defaulted before. I do think it is a risk. I wouldn't say it's a real high risk. I think it's higher, though, than maybe it's ever been. It's people not just in positions of power, but in positions of leverage. And if that happens, then what happens? Do the markets pay a price for that? Oh, big time. I mean, if, there, if there's fear that the U.S. government is going to default, you will see a major, major panic in the marketplace. You will see major volatility. Now, we may see that anyway because there's always that fear. There's always that risk. But again, this time it's it, it's probably a little bit um, a little bit more probable. I, I wouldn't say it's fifty fifty at all. But if that were to happen, if we really were to get to a point that that we would default, 
uh, you could see the the entire world market not collapse, but fall precipitously 10, 15 percent in in a night. Yeah, if that would. Well, uh, so I've heard. I guess we'll uh, know more about that this summer when when that will be necessary, right? Yeah, that, I mean that's something that that is a little bit down the road. It's certainly something to to think of right now. But ahead of that, we've got so much more for the markets. Let's say have so much more to grapple with. Um, you know, number one is inflation. Two are, are all of the earnings estimates. Three interest rates. I mean, those are all serious um, things that need to be. I don't want to say figured out, but need to be dealt with for the markets to be in a stable place going into late summer, early fall, when those discussions start. And and I do think, John, I, I do think the markets are in a fairly stable place. Again, personally, I would like to see a little bit of a give back, a little bit of a sell off. I think the market needs that right now, but not with the big volatility that we saw for much of 2022. Um, I, I think there's some really good opportunities in this market. And and one little bit of a pullback here would make that even even nicer. Yeah. Interesting take, as always, from Scott Bauer, the CEO of Prosper Trading Academy. ProsperTrading.com. Okay, Scott, let's visit again another day. Thanks for your insight. Thanks, John.